Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Girl Finance Podcast. We are the community of unapologetic, ambitious, money-minded women and today, I kid you not, we have an amazing guest. His name is Emmanuel Asuko and you have probably seen his Instagram, uh, the E-Man Effect and not only that, you've probably seen him on TV. So he is on programmes such as... Channel 4, Save Well, Spend Better, BBC One, Your Money or Your Life, and ITV This Morning. He is a financial advisor and TV personality. And honestly, guys, this conversation is so juicy. He gives so many tips and amazing gems to you. We talk about a whole host. We talk about his experience working at Barclays, becoming the youngest financial advisor at the time. We also talk about kind of why he made the move into what he is doing now. So doing um, the E-Man effect, the business he has himself. We also talk about, you know, how him and his wife uh, kind of discuss money. And that's because we were recording the episode around Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was coming up. So I thought I'd thrown a question in there. And we also talk about, you know, men, kind of the pressure on men when it comes to finances and money and what he what he believes men should do Um and so on and so forth. So I know that this podcast is called Black Girl Finance. So there are a lot of female listeners. I can see, I can see the stats. There's lots of female listeners compared to men. But I would encourage you guys to just share this episode. You know, Emmanuel is so inspirational. He drops so many gems around money and finances and just life in general. Uh, So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. So I'm going to let Emmanuel introduce himself. Don't forget also to like, subscribe and share. If you are enjoying the Black Girl Finance podcast, make sure you like, um, subscribe and share. We also have been nominated for a British Banking Award in the influencer category. So do vote for us there. And also we have the Black Girl Finance Fest coming up. So it's going to be a great day. It's the day before Mother's Day. So if you want to you know, enjoy um, some time with your mum, speaking about money and finances or with your sisters or cousins, whoever it is, your best friend, make sure you book some tickets. Tickets are running out fast. So with two weeks to go, you need to get your ticket now to avoid missing out. But yeah, over to Iman. Emmanuel, thank you so much for being a supporter of Black Girl Finance and coming on to this podcast episode. As you know, I'm a massive fan of your work um, and usually we do episodes where we clearly talk about topics. However, I really want to get to know you and your work and I want our listeners to get to know you and your work because the visibility of Black financial advisors within the UK is just not there. So can you tell yourself, uh, sorry, can you tell our listeners about yourself? Um, although I'm sure everyone already knows you, but yeah. <laughs> hey, Selena, thanks for that amazing intro, and um, I'm a fan of you, man. I, I love what you what you've been doing, and um, I've loved to see your journey so far. So it's it's a great honour to be on your on your podcast. So yeah, man, I'm really happy to be here. Um, about me, I don't even know what, what can I say about me. I'm just I'm just here, like I'm just here trying to trying to make a difference. You know what I mean? I guess um, I'm I'm a financial advisor. I have been um for um 14 years now so i started at, at age 22 as a financial mm-hmm. advisor in the banks youngest financial advisor in barclays and you know i've worked my way Where up are you? yeah 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 yeah. yeah so when i started I was, I was age 22 and at that time i was the youngest financial advisor in barclays in the country out of like 500 or something 
advisors across the country um or even more than that but yeah there were, i was the youngest um, at that time i met the guy who who beat me he was he was at 20 he started a few years a few years later on he joined at 21 but um yeah at my time i was the youngest and um it was a it was it was big it was a big experience for me and, I, and I've, I've learned so much through the journey but you know i got yeah. to, i got to the point where i was like you know what what's going on like i was like the, you know i i call it the unicorn stage where okay. where everyone was just calling me a unicorn like oh, i've never met anyone like you before i've never seen anyone like you before oh and so for me it was like no i there are amazing people from all different from similar backgrounds to me that are out there they just haven't been given the opportunity um mm -hmm. and so for me it was like actually you know and then all my clients tended to come from you know a high net worth background and and so forth and i thought to myself how do i get more people from a background like mine to become clients because i've got you're, do, do, i don't i don't want to stop you because but you're stiff, i've got questions <laughs> you're kind of sorry i'm trying to i just try to intro what i'm doing like so yeah. so basically yeah i'm just trying to bring financial advice to the people make it simple and easy and make people understand that you know you can get ownership and wealth. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah, absolutely. And that last part, yes, I'm kind of clicking my hands, clapping my hands, clicking my fingers at that. Totally. So tell us about um, kind of like your early money habits, because I always talk on this platform about our, you know, the culture well, and in the Black Girl Finance book, the cultural influences around yeah. some of our money habits. So what was it like for you growing up? Um, you know, was money spoken about freely in your household? what was that like yeah so growing up so my dad's an accountant so okay. uh, my dad's an accountant so you know he's always been good at managing money and budgets and so forth and and and, and, and things like that um my mum is your typical nigerian auntie so she she was all about you know we go to church you have to wear your best clothes your shiny yeah. shoes like always always keeping up appearances always trying to look whether you had money or you didn't have money listen that's your business nobody yeah. outside needed to know what was going on inside do you know what i mean and so mm -hmm. um it was definitely you know that kind of front that we used to put out and, and and have that pride in your appearance and how you looked and so forth and that was something that was drilled into me from from a young age um mm -hmm. i'd say that you know but we didn't have like i didn't get my first pair of you know what we designer trainers and, and when i say design i mean at my time it was like nike adidas reeboks those are the i didn't get my first yeah. pair until i was 15. That's okay. like year ten. So I went. Yeah. I went through the first four years of secondary school getting roasted every, every day. So when people see my videos on Instagram, I think, "Wow, how do you think of that?" That's because I used to get cuss. So I had to <laughs> learn how to cuss, like, and always be ready because somebody would always be coming for me. Um, and so when you don't, when when you don't have, um, and what I found is when I didn't have, when I did get, oh, I spent it really, really bad. Don't we, it doesn't, yeah, people just do that. It's just, we just do. Yeah. It, it seems to be the thing. As soon as you get, and it's, it, and it's not even like you're kind of established, but as soon as you start earning that income from somewhere, you just, you know, you just want to spend it. You just want to shop. Maybe because you've not been able to do the shopping um, 
maybe like what your peers have been able to exactly. do from before. So exactly, yeah, exactly. And it, it's re- it's really bad. It was really bad. I mean, I used to, I was buying, and the thing for me, I was buying things that weren't even in fashion anymore, like because <laughs> I, I was buying like you know high techs and you know um, LA gears that had the flashing lights, and there was this chain of that. Yeah, so yeah, I was I buying them when they weren't when they weren't cool, but but I just didn't have them when they were cool. So to me, these yeah. were the things that I desired, and so it was almost like my inner child. I was satisfying my inner child, and and I had grown past that but I still had to you know satisfy my inner child and you know it made me it made me take steps back financially even though I was making good money I I, I was actually taking steps back financially so where were you working were you working in like like London in the city yes yeah, so I was working I was working in, in the city so um I, I was working so first of all I was working in the city then I became a financial advisor and I moved more local because I lived in I lived in Catford in southeast London so moved, moved okay. more local so I was, I was looking after Penge, Sydenham, all br- the branches in in, the, in those areas and Downham. So those were my branches, and then then I went back to the to the city um, to deal with high net worth clients when I because I did really well, and so yeah, it was it was. It was it was in the city, um, Tottenham Court Road, Soho. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the areas that you know my branches, my, the branches I used to look after were in, and yeah, it was nice. Okay, that's cool. So, would you say that you you I know that you said that your dad was an accountant. Yeah. So, do, do you think that that in, influenced your choice of career? Or did you were you always interested in like maths and money? Um, Good question. I wanted to do marketing. Um I wanted to, I wanted to do marketing when I when I when I was in, in college. I wanted to go to university and do marketing and, and I told my dad I wanted to do marketing and he just looked at me and said oh, no. You're a fool and um <laughs> Oh, and no. he said, "You're a fool. Like, what are you doing in marketing? Like, you know, you're not going to get a job in marketing. Go and go and do accounts. So that. And you know, the problem is, is that when you're like being Nigerian, the culture is so strong, and you put mm. just culturally, you put so much into your parents. Like, your parents have so much control over your lives at such a young, like, over your lives. So when they say that, yeah. it's like that's it." And so I just said, okay, well, I said, okay, cool. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and do accounts. But then, I, luckily for me, I um, I didn't just choose straight accounts. I went to went to Greenwich University and I did accounting and finance. And I love I love okay. the finance element. Amazing. Okay. And then, like, so, so go back to you. I know that you said that you were the youngest um, advisor at 22. Yeah. So I've heard you speak on a, a live before about, and, and you just kind of, I guess you just kind of mentioned. Um, about you know managing branches so I I heard that you mentioned live about you know being the top kind of salesperson for your for your manager at one point so so that gave you the opportunity to decide what you wanted to do to decide um, how to how you wanted to kind of progress your career so if you could start from that point whereby because I've heard you talk about it and I was just like so inspired by um just just the opportunity that came from you being so good at what you were doing so can you let our listeners know just in case they miss they missed that live although I'm sure they didn't kind of that that is yeah so being so good that you you were asked what do you want to do yeah so I'll take it back slightly before that so I was when I was doing my degree in accounting and finance I was working part-time in Marks and Spencers um, in in Canary Wolf because I wanted to be in Canary Wolf. That was the vision. That was the goal to be in one of the big builders in Canary Wolf that I could see from my estate. Yeah. And so I was doing that, and then yeah. um, an opportunity came to apply to become a cashier at Barclays. So I used obviously the experience. Now I knew that I was I was I, I couldn't go um, part full time because I was still at uni. 
but there were no part-time jobs. So I applied for a full-time role at Barclays. And luckily, by the time I did the interview and started, it was it was um, ho- um, school holiday, like a um, break. So okay. during the break, I was, yeah. I was, I was, full-time and then I told them ah oh, I decided to go to uni I was always always going back to uni but I told them and then they let me go part-time so I kind of I kind of cheated the system there do you know what I mean um and so yeah. what happened was is that I got a branch manager and so my branch manager was like you really like means that you're really good got a great personality but you're not really committing and there's sometimes when you're in an, in a situation where you're, you feel like I'm better than this. I'm like, I'm a cashier, but I'm only doing this for, I'm only doing this for now. Like I'm, I'm doing my degree. When I finish my degree, I'll go get a grad job or I'll, yeah, I'll go okay. somewhere else better. Mm-hmm. So I don't really need to put all my effort in here like everyone else does. Um, but he was like, you know what, actually you do. You need to put your effort in because you know what, you don't know what's going to happen with your degree. You don't know what's, you know, like you've got an opportunity now to achieve. And and I really bought into him as a mentor. That's what I would say he's like my first ever mm-hmm. kind of, you know, mentor. Obviously I had teachers at school that really mentored me, but in the workplace is my first kind of mentor. And so he was like yeah. to me, you're a cashier now, but you want to be something else. So don't, don't walk in the steps of a cashier and do enough to be a cashier. Walk in the steps of where you want to go. And so he was like, you know, you need to be studying. So all the little pamphlets that used to be in the banking hall, I used to take them home and read them, what, all the different bank accounts that they offered, um, how credit cards work and all of this different all of this different stuff. Then he was like, if you're on time, you're late. And I was like, what, what do you mean if you're on time? Like, what are you talking about? Like, so he's like, if you're on time, you're late. And so I didn't, I didn't really get it, but I bought into him. And so I, but I realized yeah. that to be early to somewhere takes preparation. It means that you've prepared the night before. Maybe for me, I had to, you know, mm-hmm. I prepare my clothes. So I'd make sure my clothes are ready in the morning so I could get up and, and get dressed quickly. I would, you know, prepare my route, look at what train times I needed to catch to make sure that I got there early. And so you would get to the place early. And so what happened was is that I used to, I set my watch to be half an hour early. And I would try and get mm-hmm. everywhere half an hour early. So when you do the maths, I'm getting everywhere one hour early um and so when I used to get to the branch one hour early guess who was there the branch manager so then we used to have one-to-one so we would we'd be talking outside we'd be talking at the branch and he'll be telling me tips and how to do better and basically through his guidance and through listening to him I then learned how to use my personality to sell um and so my this -hmm. same personality that used to get me kicked out of class when I was at school because I used to crack jokes and you know the teacher didn't like it and and that in the right environment with the right knowledge all of a sudden I was excelling and so I used to work three days a week but I used to do do more target than people that did that work five days a week it got it got it got to the point where when I used to be on if I took a week off holiday the branch wouldn't even hit their target that's how that's how the impact I had on on the branch and so what happened was once mm-hmm. i finished my degree um I be- they they said listen what do you want to become what do you want to do you tell us and that was I, I w- it was so amazing to me that you know a bank would say listen what position do you want we're going to put you we're going to put you forward to it yeah. um so i ended up going from a cashier which was a cashier level which is like b1 which is like the lowest level to a financial advisor which yeah. is b4 which is senior manager senior management wow. level and after i did it barclay stopped people making that jump because they said the jump the jump was too okay. high, too far of <laughs> a jump. But because mm-hmm. it wasn't in the rules that it couldn't be done, um, they let me do it. And so I became a financial advisor straight off. And and it just goes to show that if you really, you know, find someone that can mentor you, that you can learn from, that you really talks your language and believes in you, and you apply mm-hmm. 
um, and want to be better than your, your current situation and don't just accept the, the cards that have been dealt with you but apply to be more you can achieve whatever you want in life yeah amazing and also I mean I've been in a similar ex I have a similar experience not similar um where I was asked you know what what do you want I remember one of my old bosses asking me what yeah. do you want to do and at the time I had no confidence so I was just like oh I don't know <laughs> so yeah um and and I bring that up just to say you know knowing what you want and articulating it is super super important and having the confidence to to ask for what you want as well is super super important because I do always kind of remember having that conversation with an old boss of mine and being like uh, I don't really know whereas you you did the opposite you told them what you wanted to do and it yeah. happened so yeah no yeah, yeah that's amazing and yeah I, I love it I love when you oh. tell that story I, I loved it the first time and I love it now how did you find yeah. work did you enjoy yeah. being in work do you know what? I, I got asked that question when I was when I was yeah, thinking of leaving, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> so it's a slightly different scenario. But but equally, you know, to be asked that question when you're thinking about leaving, you know, yes. shows that you're valued because, you know, they could have just said, yeah. go away. But um, so, I, I mean, I did manage to negotiate yeah. a pay rise. But, you know, in terms of, you know, where do you want, where do you, where do you want your yeah. career to go? It was kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. So, yeah. So I look back on that moment and I think, damn it you should have said you should have just yeah. said what you wanted um but yeah no it's important when you get asked that it's important to to, to have your answer ready yeah. and know what you want and that mentorship as well because you know can't take it for granted that perhaps he would have given all of mm. his time and um kind of coaching and guidance no. to everybody you know um you know you were open to receive it and actually take action based yeah. on his yeah, exactly. as well so amazing amazing so I was going to ask you then. So when you then became a um, you know financial advisor, what were your typical clients like? I know you said high net worth individuals. What did they look like? And I'm just asking this question because I know that in what I do every day, I get asked a lot. Okay, um, when I ask people, you know, have you spoken to a financial advisor before? A lot of the time, I get told no. Um, so I'm just wondering, what were your typical clients? So when, when like? I was in the bar, when I was in Barclays in a bank. Typically, um, you know, the clients would have 50K plus, 50 to 100K cash um, in, in their savings mm -hmm. account, not really know what to do with it. Um, and then I started working with what, what they call premier managers. So a pre so back in the day, yeah. Barclays used to have accounts where if you class as premier, so you had to be on a salary of 100K plus or have mm -hmm. over 150K savings or whatever and you'd qualify for premier or, or and stuff like that so when i started working with premier clients i mean you know they typically had anywhere between a quarter of a million to half a million um and and they just needed advice on what to do with their money i met some amazing amazing clients um and it was yeah. it was it, it was just amazing for me because i didn't i didn't know money like this like, I've never been around people with money like this mm -hmm. some people were self-made through business some people were you know celebrities through television and so forth other people started brands yeah. and you know built built brands and so forth and you sit down and, and I always in, I was always interested in learning about how did you get here how did you build just what was your story yeah. and for someone for being at 22 23 24 and hearing all these stories of people who are 
making you know serious money living i mean one one of my clients was literally leaving my meeting to get on a, a private plane to, to go to um, monaco to their the house in monaco do you know what i mean i mean the, the money was just yeah. it's a different level and it just inspired me mm. to say you know what the, i don't need to limit myself like there's another world out there and, and that's yeah. why um you know i do i decide eventually i feel like i decided to come back to let people know that it's possible like representation matters and i feel like mm-hmm. if you see someone that that looks like you or from a background like you and and you can see that you know they've achieved or or that it's possible for them all of a sudden you believe that it's possible yeah. for you absolutely absolutely i totally agree i totally agree um so so what made you then step out of like yeah. the corporate world and start the E-Man effect? Because I imagine you would have been quite comfortable yeah. you know, financially. What made you make want to make that jump? Was it because you were seeing all of these kind of um, entrepreneurs or, you know, and seeing how they were doing it? Was that Yeah, so I, t- I, I worked through the banks, then left the banks and went to um, independent and then worked for like a, a few boutique, like wealth management firms where, you know, typically clients have 2 million plus. And... There were a few things. One was I just didn't fit in into the environment. And so when it came to okay. um, the company, if they weren't doing well, or if it, I was always the first to be let go. Do you know what I mean? It happened It happened two or three oh, times. No. And I was like, actually, I don't fit in. So they'll hire you because, you know, you're new, you're energetic, you're exciting and so forth. But whenever the company was struggling, yeah. it would always be a case of, oh, it's a business decision or, or whatever. And so for me, it was like, okay, you know, I don't fit in. They don't, I don't, I'm done. I don't talk I don't talk the same I don't I don't come from a similar background and so forth and for me it was like actually let me not keep trying to force myself into somewhere where I just don't fit in um then two was I never Mm -hmm. got to see you know clients from from a background like mine and and so for me it was it was really important for me to I go to I go to church on Sunday and there's you know 500 600 people in there that all look similar to me all come from similar backgrounds to me but yet Monday to Saturday, I would never see, I would never see any anyone like that. And I thought, okay. I have to make that change. I, I need to, there needs to be change. And so what happened is I got yeah. made redundant and I decided that, you know what, with the money I was going to get from being made redundant, um, it was enough for like three months worth of income plus the savings we had. So it was like, actually, I could probably mm-hmm. do, I could probably do almost a year on the money that we have now um, without needing to work for somewhere mm-hmm. else. And I was like, actually, I'm going to utilize this and I'm going to, I'm going to run with it and, and I'm not going to go back because I could have easily gone back and found another job, another company car, another company yeah. credit card, another nice salary looking after clients. I had the experience. I could have easily done that. But actually, I said, you know, what? I want to, I want to make a change. I want to be different and so that's what really kind of spurred me on because I felt like this was my opportunity amazing yeah gosh okay and now obviously you started the e-man effect and it's been going really yeah. really well we love it we love Thank your you. Instagram lives and now yes you're all over the tv so what has that move been like from you know Instagram to tv programs um you know, you've just like literally. I turn on my TV, and it doesn't matter what I know, channel I turn. It's mad, and um, <laughs> I'm so grateful to God for the opportunities, and and just for you know my wife and all everyone that supported me through through the journey. Because there's so many different people that have supported, and you know, 
encouraged and and given me opportunities when I when I've tried to do this and you know it's it's gone really well but it's it's been mad I think it's just so different to be on TV like I didn't see anyone like me on TV when I was a kid do you know what I mean we had Ainsley Harriet we had um Mr Motivator you know Sir Trevor McDonald do you know what I mean these are the main black people on television it was just like so to be on TV and talk in my own voice, and, I, and that's something that's big, because when I started yeah. at Barclays at age, you know, 22 and, and, and so forth, and I started to, I always felt like I couldn't speak like the way I, I had to try and mimic my colleagues and, and speak like how they spoke. And then I remember at one point I started watching like Made in Chelsea to try and, you know, see how they spoke and, and, and try and mimic that <laughs> and to make my, the, the type of clients that I was seeing feel more comfortable to, you know, be able to, to, to have me as their advisor. And so it's that's so sad. <laughs> I feel so sad here when you say that, you know. I'm just like, but then but then I think a lot of people work in the corporate space. Like the, I did a podcast episode about this. I think it was yeah. might have been Nat West that that gave their like diversity report and, and you know asked their staff um from like black and minority ethnic backgrounds if they feel like they can be their authentic self at work and there was, yeah. was a, a lot of them said no. So yeah, you saying what you're saying, it's sad, but it's the truth. It's it's what people Definitely yeah, no, definitely. So it was so, just like, you know, actually, um, to now be on TV, talk the way I talk, do, do finance the way I do it. I, I'm always saying it like, was it the goal? Was it the aim? Yes. I always tell this story like when I first started, I had I went to the, there was a, there's this thing called the Black Business Show um, that that happens um, and um, the guy that runs it, Raphael, he is um, best friends with my wife's sister, so I've known him for years. And so he was starting this Black Business Show and he was like, I've got one spot, do you want to take it? Gave me a good price and I took it and and I launched you know my business at the Black Business Show and got met bare loads of people and whilst meeting people people were like oh what's the aim what's the goal this time i had only only i had less than 100 followers on instagram at this time this is about three four years ago and i yeah. said the goal is mm -hmm. to become the next martin lewis to another generation i said that with my chest and people looked at me like do you know who martin lewis is and i think sometimes in life we don't dream big enough for me like I was like, listen, I'm not limiting myself. If, if he's got legs and arms that just like me, like if he if he exists, I can exist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so I said it, and people looked at me like I was crazy. And then last year, after being on, um, you know, doing this morning, um, the Sun wrote an article and they said Manuel Suko, the new money saving expert, and they put my picture and Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis's picture and it's crazy how I could say something and three years later it, it could come to fruition and so I didn't know when it was going to happen I didn't know how it was going to happen I just knew that was that was the goal and now I've done that I'm, my goals are even bigger and that's the best thing about goals for me is that I can have one goal and then I can achieve it and say look if I can do this then what then now I know I can do even more and even greater and so for me to be on tv and have my yeah. kids oh, my kids watch me on tv and to them it's normal and, and that their dad, the person that they yeah. see all the time, is on TV. So why can't they be on TV? Or why can't they have their own show or have their own YouTube channel, whatever it may be? Because yeah. to them, it's possible. Because the mm -hmm. person that they know, that they call dad, that they know is this normal guy, is on TV on a regular basis. Absolutely. Oh, it's making. Do you know you talking about your kids seeing you on TV and there's just like <laughs> dad? It's making me smile. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. So, what kind of money lessons would you want your would you want 
to pass down to your children like do, you know um there's research that shows that our financial yep. habits are formed from early what type of things or lessons are you showing them kind of right the biggest now? thing i want to i want to yeah. teach my kids and yes you know budgeting is great and everything like that but i want to teach them wealth creation and the easiest way for me to teach them wealth creation mm -hmm. is business and so what i try to teach them is that okay. look don't just look for money like don't just come to me and look for money. and they, oh, listen my oldest child is eight so they're limited in what they can do but they they know mm -hmm. that I've told them we're gonna they're gonna have a business like they're gonna have a, whether they're gonna be entrepreneur of the mm -hmm. year or go and be apprentice I'm, I'm not saying that they have to go that hard but for me it's about understanding that mm -hmm. you can create what you can create money you can add if you add value to yourself and then you can pass that value on to others you can create money and so you don't need to be solely dependent on me as your as your parent nor do you need to be solely dependent on on the system or on any workplace i, I did a post the other day and i said you know there's 365 days in a year why do, why 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 do you only get paid on 12. Yeah, and you I know what for, i know for us yes. like we you know we've, we've beat that there's so many people that never ever thought of like never ever thought of it like that if you in the comments all people saying is like yeah. this is so true this is so true and this is what happens we are so caught up in a system that that we are blinded to the fact that we are yeah. limiting ourselves every day and i'm not saying that you know you have to be an entrepreneur because some people are always are always going to you know they prefer yeah. to to work and you can be you can even be a, an entrepreneur within a workplace and you know create your own business and whatever within yeah. a workplace and be an asset do you know what I mean? It is your own business. Yeah, it is. You, you, you. It's like you know. It, it's, it's, yeah. Sometimes we feel like we're doing it for the boss, and because we're not passionate about, it, we don't really care. But equally, exactly, it is your own business. You know, maybe that's yeah. something that I get because I used to work in sales, and and that's what my boss used to say: "It's your own business." See, and it's true. Those exactly. are my own customers, my own clients that I have to exactly. make sure we're okay. You and, know. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know? And it's. And it's funny you said that as well because I just have visions of my son when he was around like eight or nine and he, you know, decided to start yeah. a business giving people massages. So he was going around giving the family massages and, and asking for money. So, you know, so he's always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in him. And now as a young adult, he's got yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's the biggest lesson. Yes, so, yeah. budget. Yes. Yeah. I, yes, I want my kids to be good with money and know how to budget yes and I, and I teach them that and we and we, we practice those principles but the biggest lesson I want them is that they are not limited to one that one income I want them to ha be able to understand that you can create multiple streams of income and and that you know that will help you live a lifestyle that that means that because again a lot of the time I grew up on a budget we might we, we we were going to you know Lidl's and Aldi before it was before there was even Audi, we're just Lidl's. We were going yeah. to Lidl's front round the corner, and it was embarrassing. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember going to Lidl's, and uh, my mum sent me to Lidl's to buy oil, and um, I wouldn't, I, I didn't want to get a bag, so I put the oil. So I put the oil in my hoodie um, oh. just to hide it, and then the police saw me and stopped and stopped me and like, what What are you carrying? And I had to show them the oil. Like oh, it was, no. it was like one of them, and I had to show them the oil, and they're like, okay, cool, walk on. And it was like, this is this is. I mean, I'm like 13, 14, but you were so embarrassed to be in Lidl's. Like Lidl's was like. 
was I remember eat you eat the crisp like if I took the little crisp to school because in school you could have the little in at break time they would used to sell sandwiches and that but I didn't have no I didn't have no money for that so my mum used to give us yeah. you know give us crisps and stuff to eat what um, at like at break time and when people could tell like oh no this ain't Walkers like you're eating Lidl's crisps you would get roasted for this stuff like yeah. it would it would be so embarrassing people would cuss you from from the beginning of the day to the end like. You know what, men, boys and men are just so hard on each other. I just don't get it. As a woman, I'm just like, I just don't get it. Always. Like, you guys are born just cussing each other off. Just... So, so yeah, so for me, that was, that was life experience. So I've always had to live on a budget. And so, you know, and that wasn't good. That wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a good lifestyle. It wasn't something that, that we enjoyed. It made me resent, you know, my life and, and how I was living. And so, you know, to be fair, it pushed mm-hmm. me to want to do better, to go and change my life and try and change my financial yeah. situation but at the same time it came with its own scars and battles that I've had to go through through life to understand my worth because I didn't I didn't yeah. believe I didn't know my worth and so for me mm-hmm. I want my kids to know that they are valuable um, and 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 because they are valuable and because yeah. they continue to yeah. add value to themselves they can always create the income and the lifestyle that they want to live amazing wow I'm going to change subject now because we're recording in the week of Valentine's Day. <laughs> Are there any tips of how to kind of navigate your finances as a couple? Because obviously you are married. Miriam, to Miriam, Miriam. What's your wife's name? Yeah, Mimi. Yeah, Mimi T. Cakes. Mimi, Mimi Cakes. On yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, any hints and tips for, for anyone listening? I, I think for me, the biggest thing that me, that me and my wife have is just we're just open. Like, there's no hiding money. There's no, there's no like your money, my money. And, and don't I'm not saying that it's right or wrong for other people, but for us, that's how that works best. Like my wife, like we are very open about money, yeah. how money's coming in, what what needs to be paid. We are very free with our money. Like my, we have joint accounts and so forth, and you know. We, money is it's not something that's hidden. It's something that's open. And I've always wanted to break down that barrier because yeah. I always felt like, yeah. you know, culturally there was always this, oh, my dad had, my dad was the, the main breadwinner. He had the money. And, you know, my mum would always have to, if she needed something, she'd have to ask him and did it. And I was like, nope, that's not going to happen in my house. Like, we are open. No one needs to ask yeah. no one. This is our money. Whether I earn... I earn this and you earn that. We're always going to be open. So, for example, like when it comes to the bills, we we worked out the percentage of who work, what what I make and what she makes. And I used to pay seventy percent of the bills. I, but my wife is better at saving than I am, to be fair. Yeah. So it's better that I have less money, disposable money to myself. Do you know what I mean? Because she's actually really, really good at saving. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, that's how we've been able to, to to buy a house and be able to pay for, 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 for nursery for all our kids. Do you know what I mean? For, and, and, and pay for tuition and invest in them. So for me... Um, uh, uh, my money thing was always about sharing and always about being open, and that's the that's the biggest tip I, I would I would give to anyone. Couple final questions for any of yeah. like the young men who might be listening, and I'm counting obviously the platform is called Black Girl Finance, so I know that there's lots of female listeners, and I'm counting on you guys to share this episode with you know the men in your life, whether old or young, and any kind of tips for the men who might be listening about money because like I say again you know I feel like you guys cuss mm. each other a lot also there's a different pressure when it comes to you know kind of money and yeah 
Yeah, I think you know, I think I think you said it like, you know, I think a lot of men do have that pressure. There is that pressure that, you know, I always talked about when when we were young and we got go to the club, like you'd have to have money number one, you need to dress properly. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, they're not even letting you in anyway. Um, and then number two, like you'd have to have money because you know you need to be able to buy drinks and stuff. Whereas like my 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 female friends, they would they would be they would as long as they dress nice, they would go, they would have no money in their pocket and they'd be drinking all night long. Do you know what I mean? And enjoying life and do you know what I mean? And so it, it's a different it's a different experience. But however, now I find that most of my clients are are women. Women are, are very much on, you know, the up. I think there was the mm-hmm. studies showing now that black women are starting to get to the point where they're earning more than black men, which is which is amazing in regards to, you know, empowerment and, and what they're doing. And and for me, I feel as, as a black man, you know, we really need to we need to understand that our value doesn't come from the amount of money that we that, that we make yes it's important to make money yes it's important to you know have an income and you know if you want to drive nice a nice car or or dress nice or smell nice or whatever it may be go on lots of holidays that's that's all good but i think what we really need to need to understand is that we need to start putting emphasis on more than just you know how much money we earn or how what things we can buy like what type of people are we what type of fathers are we what what type of role models are we who are we who are we lifting up that's coming behind us these are the type of important values what are we doing for our community um what input what impact are we having you know there are there are young boys out there who are who don't have a father figure are, are we stepping in and helping and becoming a father figure to, to someone who's not our own child? But we understand that as a community, we as men are important and we have more than, a, we have a role to play beyond just how much money we can make um, and, and so forth. So I think, you know, we have to have that conversation with ourselves. And also we have to, we have to understand that it's so important that we are being, we are targeted and pushed down and, 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 and there are, are narratives created against us. And, you know, we're seeing that, we are we are being boxed in either we're aggressive or we're you know we're Idris Elba's do you know what I mean all of a sudden now every everyone wants to be with a black man and so forth and yeah. actually these stereotypes don't define us we need to we need to hold up onto our own identity and know what we stand for because if you don't if you if you don't stand for something you'll fall for everything and so for me it's so important that we start to you know grow roots and understand where we come from what we represent who, who we stand for and mentorship like I said at the beginning I'm here to today because somebody decided to to mentor me to 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 invest in me and so not only do we need as as black men do we need to invest in ourselves and and continue to invest in our skills and 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 our attitude and our mindset but also we need to pick up help a young person and and reach back and support a young person and and help them on their journey oh gosh you just said so much there and you know it's all so so true so, you know, guys, listen, ladies, make your men listen to these, this, this episode and what mm. Emmanuel, Emmanuel just said. And just one final question before we wrap up. Um, so based on your experience of helping people, you know, what do your clients do who have the most success? Like, are there any kind of final tips you could give to just anyone as a whole? What, for the clients who have the most success, what is it about them? What is it that they do that makes them... Kind of, I guess, I think the biggest thing is they know their why. They know their why. They know why they're doing what they're doing. Um, secondly, you know, they have a they have a plan. 
Um, because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. They they always they always have a plan on what they're trying to trying to do. They have an accountability partner, so they always have someone that they're accountable to. They're humble enough. I think sometimes ego plays such a big. Uh, we don't want to be accountable to no one because we think we know it all. Actually, the people that are most successful always have someone that's say, why do but why do you want to do that or what do you think about this? These are people who are in top top places that still come to ask people's opinion even though they've been successful time and time and time again but they never they never rely on their last success they're always being accountable to someone and looking for help and support i think they they are determined they are disciplined you know i think a lot of the time we talk about motivation but when you can't be motivated you have to be disciplined and so you need to continue to be consistent and be disciplined in what you're in what you're doing and not settle for no the ones that achieve it are they have the same failures they make the same mistakes you do but they chose not to give up and so if you are serious about getting to where you want to get to you have to keep going you have to stay focused um and then finally you know they they have they have a circle and i think what's really important is the people that are around you because some of us are you know the big fish in a small pond mm -hmm. but network is so important and so you know people that are really successful tend to tend to have people from different backgrounds different cultures different areas different because when you when you, you don't know when you're gonna when you're gonna need something or what you're gonna need but you're gonna want to have a book where you can go and call someone and say oh can do you know anyone that can help with this do you know anyone can help with that and sometimes one of the biggest things that I feel like limits black people is that a lot of the time our network is only only filled with black people. And actually, in life, if you want to get ahead, you need to you need to network with people from all different backgrounds and all different places, um, both men, women, whatever it may be. Like, so I feel like it's so important that you know you you, you network and build a network because the most successful people have huge networks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we're going to end on that note. Thank you so, so much, Emmanuel. It's been great talking to you. Um, I will put all of your links in the show notes, although oh, like I'm you. sure our listeners already know everything about you. So, um, but no, thank you so much. It's been a really Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, Selena. Yeah, congratulations amazing. on everything you're doing. <laughs> um, and, you know, what you're doing is so important. Representation matters. And you are literally birthing a generation of, of Black women who, who know that they can be, you know, great with their finances. And, you know, thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, we're, we're going to wrap up now, guys. But make sure you follow Iman. Make sure you, you know, big him up when he's on TV. Make sure you share, like, um, yeah, just go. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. Iman dropped so many gems. He is full of so much wisdom when it comes to personal finances. So I hope there is something you can take away from today's episode. If you like Black Girl Finance podcast, make sure you like, subscribe and share the podcast. We've just hit 10,000, not 10,000, sorry, 12,000 downloads. So thank you so, so much to everyone who has listened so far. Do share this episode with one person, one of your friends that you know, share it with them. Like I say, this episode was so great. So make sure you share. Also vote for us at the British Banking Awards in the influencer category. I will add the link to be able to do this or it's on my Instagram. So Black Girl Finance UK on the, um, click the link in the bio. It takes you to all of my kind of link tree links and there is a um, link there for you to vote. You know, and the reason why I ask you to vote is because 
we love what we do we love supporting women when it comes to their personal finances and recognition from you know the British Banking Awards would be amazing for the work that we do also if you have read the Black Girl Finance book please write an Amazon review or write a Waterstones review if you can wherever you've purchased it from again you know elevating the profile of the platform will enable us to continue to support you um, as much as we are already doing so again we appreciate your support your listens your read your reading of the book etc um, and you know if you write that review it would just help to get the name of the brand out so thank you so so much for your support enjoy the rest of the week guys next week we're probably going to be doing um an episode on the fire movement so financial independence retiring early so that's going to be an interesting one but speak to you soon take care